On this week's full-time roundup, yet another team tops the Premier League. Girona continued their Cinderella season, and Bayern opened the door slightly. Plus, a trophy is awarded in Columbus, and we give you our best players of the week. Another episode of Full-Time Roundup starts right now. And welcome into another episode of Full-Time Roundup. I am Matt Gesslin, as always, joined by... My good friend, co-host, Daniel Brackett. Daniel, how are we doing? It's a really gross, dreary night here in the Queen City. Hasn't stopped raining, I don't think, since Friday afternoon. Um, and luckily, there was some footy to watch and kind of entertain us. But um, how, how are you feeling? Winter is in full effect, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, other than the fact that it's 65 degrees right now or 60 degrees outside. Um, yeah, it's been a pretty shitty charlotte weekend when it comes to the weather the games i was watching as well almost every single one was pouring rain especially in england so it seems like this is a common theme around uh, throughout the world that just precipitation everywhere um but it was good got to rest up a little bit didn't really do much so um watched a lot of footy so let's just say that um and i'm excited to discuss it with you today yeah, we definitely watched a lot. We were texting back and forth across a number of games that we were both watching. So um, should be some good conversation here to start us off. Of course, we always focus uh, in the league that we are dear and nearest to, which is the Premier League. And, and Daniel, uh, like I said in the in the teaser, uh, if you didn't hear that, uh, glad you skipped those. Uh, there is a new team at the top of the Premier League. It feels like every weekend there is a new team going to top. And of course, let's not let's not uh, sell it short here. This is your team that's atop the table. How are you feeling now that Liverpool go top after a big win? Um, seemed like it was a little bit more difficult than it should have been against Palace, but uh, as we said with Arsenal last weekend, champions win these type of games. Yeah, it was uh, definitely not the best game I've ever watched. Um, I think Roy Hodgson actually had a pretty good game plan. Uh, he sat Chris Richards at defensive mid. And he really did a good job kind of protecting that middle of the fields and kind of blocking Darwin out of uh, being effective. But, you know, we go down again and uh, we end up winning thanks to an Andre, is Andre, Ayu, um, stupid double booking. Um, I'll take it, though, because it completely changed the game. And our our starting XI hasn't been the best um, in the last like month or so, but I will give uh, Klopp's flowers here his in-game management and substitutions have been spot on for the last month and over his tenure that was one of the things i've always been pretty critical of klopp i'm not really cr critical of klopp at all but th that's one thing i would change usually and he i mean he brought on curtis jones and harvey elliott both uh curtis had an assist and harvey had a goal so that's really what you want from your your kind of midfielders who are just riding the bench trying to get an opportunity that they come up big in these big moments, especially being young as Harvey and, and Curtis is. And a win's a win. Um, and thank you to the other teams that made that possible. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, the youngsters and the subs, of course. Uh, Harvey Elliott comes in, takes that ball down and, and, and turns upfield. And, and you also mentioned a one of those instances where a, a tackle or a, a you know situation with cards completely changes the game, and um, this game flipped on its head immediately after. Uh, it was Jordan I, uh, his brother Jordan, is is, yeah, is uh, Andre, but uh, yeah, Jordan's playing and then takes a, a silly, you know, doesn't need a takedown. Harvey Elliott there, he's, he's beyond him, and he's got support and and you know defense that is going to go into and um like i said flips the game uh most law scores 90 seconds later after after the red card and um and then the pressure's on from for crystal palace with about 15 minutes to go down you know down to 10 men and um harvey elliott puts a, a wonder wonderful strike on it and, and you know uh short sides the keeper and wins it uh in in tremendous fashion so you love to see what klopp is doing with these youngsters like you said curtis jones are easing him as well into it and then, of course, you have, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who continues to, to kind of shine in that new role. A little bit kind of 
interesting how that's going to play out. We've seen it in the past where it doesn't necessarily work 100% of the time. And so is Klopp live and die by that, or does he only use that in select times? It's going to be interesting to see going forward because we know how how difficult uh, Trent is at defending. So when those games matter, will that be a part of it? And again, you continue to talk about how slow starts for Liverpool, and yet here we are week 16 in the Premier League, and, and there's that you know team across the – Across the uh, side of the the that's sitting atop the table is what I was trying to get at. There we go. There you got it. Just real quick before we move on, um, that's I think eighteen points now, points gained from from lost positions. Um, so that's quite a bit. And both you know Arsenal and Liverpool have keep doing this. So we'll see if that's gonna bite them in the ass. Um, but so far it's kind of worked out. I, 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 for my like, you know, self-esteem and mental health, I'd rather not have to have to do this every single weekend, but you know, whatever, but to get to the, the second place right now, Arsenal, um, Villa 15 straight home wins round of applause. Congratulations. Not only did you beat city midweek, but then you go around and, and beat Arsenal and it looked like Arsenal could have grabbed like a late stoppage time uh, goal to save a point, and it just didn't work out for them. Both goalkeepers were pretty good, but especially Emi Martinez has been phenomenal this week. Um, so shout out to him. And, uh, you know, this title race just keeps heating up. Yeah, and, and you mentioned goalkeepers real quick before we, we jump into this one. Shout out to Allison as well in the Liverpool match who, who made two tremendous saves to keep Liverpool in that. So he did. great great goaltending we've seen across across the league this week. Of course, seen some poor goaltending that we'll get into later on. But um, yeah, you mentioned, you know, Aston Villa get the three points, a huge week getting six points against the arguably, you know, the two best teams in the league. Although, uh, of course, Liverpool sitting at the top, there could be, you know, a case to be made. We've talked, you and I texted about that offline, but um, Villa go in. And, and of course, at home, this, this place is a fortress now, 15 in a row. I think you saw a little bit, though, Daniel, that, you know, the, the toll it's taking on Villa the last couple of games. Uh, they got they got a great start. Twenty minutes in, the place was jumping. They had that energy. You know, they were feeling it coming off the game against City. The supporters were getting them, you know, riled up. They got that that goal to kind of sustain that momentum that they were on. And then the crash kind of came a little bit later in the game. But you saw how how relentless and how organized Unai Emery's team is defensively as well. And they were able to kind of just sit in and it never really felt until the last few minutes, like you said, that Arsenal were going to crack that nut. Um, there was opportunities of course, cause cause Arsenal has great, you know, great talent. Um, but they never felt like they were going to get that equalizer uh, and never felt like there was, it was too much to be worried about. Again, the pressure was there, but um, the way defensively that Unai's team was, was set up, Again, they they are they are very very impressive right now, and you have to take them for real. They're second place in the table at this point in the season, Daniel. This is we're not you know we're not at the beginning stages. We're not at the end, of course, but uh, there's still you gotta respect them for what they've done so far. Absolutely, and we've seen teams just like Aston Villa, like a Newcastle, or you know a Brighton, and the wheels have kind of fell off as of late. And they're the only team that were kind of put in that bracket of like maybe they'll challenge for top four that have kind of stayed true this entire time. So super impressive. You know, Unai's got to be, you know, hounding them on on the training pitch. Hey, don't don't look at the table. It's nothing right now. We could lose this in a heartbeat. So he's done a great job. He seems like a, a better man manager than most people give him credit for. Um, he's known as like a more tactician. Tactician uh, type of manager, um, but he he seems like he's really gotten the players to buy in here, and and they fight for him every single game, and you can see that on the field when they're just flying into tackles left and right. So it's it's really cool to see, and I'm I'm happy for the Aston Villa fans because they've they've kind of had a tough couple probably like a decade now of tough football, and they kind of are fully back to where they once were. Um, to kind of jump to another. Uh, great team, Manchester City, get right game against Luton. Yeah, yeah, Luton do go up, which shout out to them for even getting a goal in this one. But once that second half came on, there was only one team winning that game. And, uh, you know, it could have been more. But Luton, their coach, man, they, they, he knows how to set a side up. And I've been very impressed with him uh, this season. 
Yeah, we mentioned uh, just the the uniqueness of playing at Kenilworth Road as well, which was always great to see. And they gave Arsenal all they could handle last match as well. And City, you know, go down at the half, right at the half. And um, we were texting back and forth about it. And it felt like this game was never going to be 1-0. Uh, and, of course, City found a way to, to get the three points. And uh, just a testament to to the squad. You know, they they could have easily kind of packed it in after going one down to, to a really – undermanned team on the road um, in a unique environment and especially with the way that they've been playing and all the pressure that's been on them about the draws and, and you know there was the form of late and to bounce back and get those two goals and, and get the three points I think sets them up nicely kind of writes the ship a little bit you definitely don't want to drop points to Luton um, after everything that's happened at this point of the time so it was a, it was a big big result for City um, Daniel but this next one was probably one of the bigger results of the weekend for me here um, with the way it Spurs bounced back against Newcastle. Granted, a Newcastle team that was very is very banged up, but uh, Spurs came out to play, and, and this one was vintage Ange ball all the way through and through. Yeah, I I had a feeling that they'd, they'd bounce back at least a little bit just because, you know, Ange is a good man manager and he'd probably want a response after that pretty bad game on Wednesday. Um, but I didn't expect this. And we had some pretty weird results all around the world uh, this weekend, which was nice because it's not like the favorites were kind of winning all around. But um, I mean, Richarlson back in a big way, there's a lot of reports that he might be on his way out in January, and maybe this is the start of, of something nice for him where he can kind of stake his claim in the Spurs side. Uh, you know, Newcastle, I my buddy Max, who's a Spurs fan, kind of texted in our group chat and was like, hey, why do the rest keep talking about Newcastle's injury crisis? And I went to screenshot the amount of people that they have out, and Spurs actually had like the same number, which is uh, – Kind of annoying of a cop out for for the commentators not to really like they kept saying how how you know banged up Newcastle was well both teams are pretty injured at the moment so pretty lame excuse there and they should probably do better about that but you know it's not about who you know like who you have injured it's the next man up mentality especially in the Premier League and one team proved that and one team did not today. Yeah, I do think it's a little – you know, I understand where you're coming from, and obviously there's there's a lot of players for both teams. Every every team has injuries. You look at the roster, though, and who's who is part of that, whether that's through suspension or injury. You know, you're looking at arguably five starters plus Tenali, who's suspended for, you know, the betting incident for for, for Newcastle. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. They who's do the starter? Who? Uh, well, you had – well, Callum Wilson came back today, which was helpful. Longstaff, Boatman out, Dan Byrne out. Um, you're not going to start, Lamar, you know, Jamal Lascelles at some point at the time, especially with Sven Botman and and Dan Byrne back there. Um, you know, Almiron's been out for a while. Of course, the way I'm, oh, Harvey Barnes, who you just signed from, you know, the, over the summer, he's gone, he was out, and then again Tenali, and and on top of that, you're playing such a difficult schedule, right? Spurs don't have Champions League football, or or at this point, they're out of the cup, I believe, so they don't have cup ball as well. That's and so, fair. Yeah, you know, there are things that play into it. Um, you're looking at, you know, Lewis Miley, a 17-year-old kid playing tons of minutes the last three or four games. The body kind of tears and wears on that at some point. So it's not as simple as saying, oh, they're both banged up. They're definitely both banged up. I think the more concerning thing is is just, you know, Spurs um, pushing the envelope and kind of testing where – Newcastle were mentally and physically and and once they you know the first similar to um to Villa at, once the 20 minutes were up for Newcastle they, they were out of gas they had some opportunities had they put those in that could have been a completely different match uh, early on especially uh, I believe it was Richarlison that had one early that could have changed the game and and then uh, excuse me not Richarlison uh Isak and then and then Spurs go down and scored and that flips the game on its head and and at the end of it you saw a really aggressive um forward thinking spurs who we know that they have the talent when they're when they're positive and they have the lead and they can play for fun and they're you know they're counterattacking or they're they're possessing it and they had six guys up in you know in the attacking half when it was still 2-0 or 3-0 so they really wanted to get after it and and they were feeling it you saw and on the sideline kind of you know pumping his fist and, and jumping around even on the fourth goal so uh they were feeling it today they were really into it 
Um, and, and Newcastle, again, you're just looking at how can they get healthy at a right time. And, and Daniel, I do want to ask one question for you from, you know, of course, this is a big, big flip in the weekend. Who had the best weekend of those teams? Was it Villa beating Arsenal? Was it Liverpool going top or Spurs kind of bouncing back and finding that form that we were expecting of them again, not too long ago before this little mini streak, they were top the table as well. Personally, I, I just would say Liverpool, and not because I'm a Liverpool fan, but it's because it's the first time we're kind of top this year. And so you have another lead change. First it was Spurs, then it was Arsenal, and then City were kind of creeping up there. But Liverpool hasn't really gone top yet without you know three games or, or so. So I would say the biggest victory was was definitely Liverpool winning, and then you know Arsenal dropping points and City dropping points this week uh, as a whole. But... You know, Spurs getting that bounce back win when they looked like they were in free fall was probably definitely second. Yeah, I couldn't disagree or I couldn't agree with you more on that. I'm sorry. Um, Villa is a big one, too. Um, you know, don't discredit that. Of course, they, I mean, I guess, that, you know, they, yeah, they, that's true. They beat, you know, they beat City and Arsenal this week. How, you know, it kind of looked them to look at them. But yeah, I agree with you. I think Liverpool going atop, you know, Klopp is very familiar with where that is and, and how to kind of set his teams up from there. Um, you know, you'll, you'll be having the teams chasing and, and there's a big one coming up for Liverpool on Sunday as well. That'll kind of set the, the bar for the next little stint here as we go into the festive fixture. So I'm with you. Um, anytime that you're atop the table looking at the rest of the league, um, that's a good place to be. And so, you know, when you move when you move atop, um, you got to give the, the nudge there as well a little bit. No doubt. But I mean, if we're talking confidence wise, I would say Villa, just because. Oh, you know, absolutely! You completely yeah. you get past the the measuring stick test, playing two of the best teams in the league, and you beat them both at home. So, if I'm, they I'm will, probably feeling the best. Break. If I'm Villa, they will need a little bit of a break, of course, not a True. break. I would say, but you know, just a, you know, they have a, you know, Europa Conference League match on Thursday, which you're kind of hoping that um, Unai doesn't put his best lineup out for. Then you have you know, right after the break, uh, you have Brentford, Sheffield. So not the worst. You got to win those games, of course, to stay top four. That's the difficulty in the Premier League, right? Every game you have to win, so you can't kind of coast or anything there. But you would, you know, expect Brentford and and you know Sheffield a little easier uh, and then Manchester United, who's you never know what you're going to get, and Burnley to round out December. So uh, you know, tough little stretch here for for Villa, but big confidence, like you said. And uh, you know, Daniel, there were some other res surprising results um, in the Premier League this weekend. Uh, you know. Manchester United, which we'll have to spend another day just unpacking what's going on there. They get absolutely blasted by Bournemouth, um, which very surprising at Old Trafford. The Boobirds were out. There was ugly scenes for what, you know, was a supposedly start to a good week for Eric Ten Hag beating Chelsea on Wednesday. Uh, Fulham continued today with their blowout of having 10 goals in, five, 10 goals in two games. Uh, and then Everton beat Chelsea and the last but not least, Sheffield get a win on their on their docket as well. Which one which one surprised you the most though, of those four? I just think Fulham doing back to back five nil performances is unheard of. Honestly, I I wouldn't have seen that coming. I mean, five nil is a pretty big scoreline. That's like a city scoreline to do two two times in a row. Not not a Fulham, especially against a West Ham and, and a Forest, both not like two of the bottom, bottom teams either. So they didn't just do it against anybody. They did it against one of their, you know, table rivals in a way. Um, so I thought that was the most surprising. But when it comes to, you know, a team that I'm concerned about, are, are, are we kind of losing faith here in Potch or are you, you know, it's still the project kind of. Always, always got to bring it back to Chelsea, huh? I will say with you. Quickly, <laughs> I got to hear uh, it. I will say with you quickly, though, Fulham were a big surprise. Marco Silva's team, um, you, you had high hopes for them earlier in the season. They couldn't find the net to save their life early. And, and of course, that's reversing here. Maybe they, they blow all their goals on two games, but um, they get, you know, they've made up for what they didn't get earlier in the season here. Um, as far as Chelsea is concerned, you get a little bit concerned. Um, at this point, Daniel, I think there, there's always been talk. We tried to be as positive as we could. Uh, I'm not trying to get rid of Pochettino right away. I think there's there's no um, sense of, of creating any form of stability if you just keep changing the manager every five months. So you got to give him some time. But my my biggest concern is is the lack of desire and consistency on on the team at this point. There's things that you can control. 
without talent being the deciding factor. And that's that's what is lacking right now, which is the concerning part. If this team was hustling and chasing after every ball and, and attacking in you know high high press um, in uniformity and kind of as a team, you can get away with some of the lack of skill or or finishing because the rest of what they're doing is is offsetting that. But to be outmanned and outrun and and kind of late to or second best of 50-50 balls consistently is concerning. And we talked about the inconsistency of a good performance against City, a bad performance against United, a good performance against Brighton, poor performance against Newcastle. We're at this point in the season where that's need that needs to change. It needs to be you know exactly what you're going to get from Pochettino's team, and that's consistent effort and desire. And for me, that's not there, and that's the really concerning part. Again, the the, the rest of everything is, is talent-wise. That can change. That needs to be addressed as a manager. But if the players aren't going to come in week in, week out, and give you that 110%, that, that's even more – that's more alarming than than how they're playing on the pitch, which is a disaster as well. Speaking of another disaster, uh, we switch over to Germany. Bayern get absolutely humbled by Eintracht. This was surprising, Eintracht. by the way. Could not fathom the way Bar or Bayern Munich got outplayed. I mean, it wasn't even close. And I've seen Frankfurt a couple of times this season, and they played they played Dortmund off a of pitch and got a draw. Uh, probably like two months ago. And I was like, okay, this, this team's actually bounced back a little bit since the sole uh, selling of Bawani and other key pieces like Lundstrom, but man, did they look good? And and they got a very young team here and the coaches, I, I don't even know who the Frankfurt coach is, but he deserves the, the manager of, of the month award after that, just one game. Yeah. You texted me Byron in all caps and, and some exclamation points. And I thought, Oh, well, there must be up five or six, nothing already at this point. And, I was surprised when I turned it or looked at it and it was three nil or two nil track Eintracht Frank Frank. Oh my goodness. Eintracht Frankfurt. There we go. And go. Uh, this, it, it was surprising Daniel, but at the same time we've seen this before from Bayern Munich in seasons past, they have a game like this where they just kind of walk in and expect to win because they're Bayern Munich. And that's exactly what happened here. They, they didn't put any real effort, um, they kind of walked through it saying, oh, this is an automatic win for us. And you saw it and and quickly they were down and they couldn't play catch up. Um, we've talked about this defense in the past as well with with how much improvement it needs. Um, bringing in some some new guys hasn't really done the trick. It's still pretty leaky back there. So that's a concern going forward. But as a neutral, you're excited about games like this. How many can Byron give you to, to make this a race? Um, but Again, this is we've seen this before. Um, so you know, one of those blip in the radar and, and see what happens from there. But it is a little concerning that this is more than you know, more than twice now already. We saw against Sarbrucken and a couple other times where they, they escaped, but this one was a real beatdown. And there's a couple things of this performance I'm concerned with. By the way, it's Dino Topmuller is the Eintracht coach. So congrats to Dino. Um, but you know. The, the non-use of Jamal Musiala is concerning for me if I'm a Bayern fan. Um, Bayern aren't winning a lot of games convincingly, even if they are winning. I mean, they'll have the occasional route, but for the most part, they've been less than convincing. Um, you know, you signed Min Jae Kim, and he didn't help, like you mentioned, with new signings. So just a couple of, of many things, and I don't think Tuchel's well-loved you know, among the camp anyways. So we could see that relationship turn sour like it has in, in the past with other clubs. But there's just Bayern and, and the board have to kind of look at themselves. And what I was thinking it was a big question mark in my head is they mentioned how they gave Neuer a new deal. And he's he's getting up there in age. And you got Aloni with uh, Nubel at Stuttgart absolutely killing it. And he's in the prime of his career. And you just re-signed Ulreich and you signed Neuer. Are you gonna sell are you gonna sell um the other goalkeeper in the summer for a big transfer fee? Why don't you just, you know, part ways with with Neuer when even though it's probably not the best time to do it, and invest in the new in youth? And it just seeming like they're not using the youth players as much as they should. And uh I don't know. Maybe they'll have to get another manager like Xavi Alonso in there to to kind of invest in the youth and not cling on to what the past has been. 
The funny point of that is that we are talking about Bayern Munich and their goalkeeper situation. Uh, they That's are true. clearly they are clearly the class of the cream, class oh boy, cream of the crop. Words, cream of the crop. Words we are, are struggling today. today. We are yeah, struggling today with these it words. Is. It's the weather. It's the weather. Um, and you you know you still expect them to win the league this year, even with with all that stuff that you just mentioned. And uh, it does happen to help when a team that is behind them. And we talked about this a couple times now, Daniel. Uh, the Bundesliga beats itself up. Stuttgart take off points from Bayer Leverkusen, although an interesting one-one. Um, again, you, you can you kind of worry yourself long-term if if games like this impact the race enough, and you know you just get lucky that Bayern get destroyed on the on the same weekend. But uh, you you do kind of worry again. Like I said, teams need to be absolutely perfect year in year out against Bayern Munich and um, any concern here with with Xavi and again they don't lose they still haven't lost in 2023 for those keeping track I think that's 22 wins in a row now for this team or 22 games without a loss so um, you know the the train keeps on trucking for Bayer Leverkusen I'm not concerned I think Stuttgart if you're power ranking the best teams in Germany right now they're one and two um Stuttgart dominated the first half, you know, Bayern Leverkusen dominated the second half. So it was pretty evenly fought. Both teams had it around three for an XG. So it could have been kind of a fireworks game and it was still an enjoyable watch, but you know, you want those chances uh, to be put away. And Victor Boniface has the most shots with 70 out shooting uh, the second uh, closest with by like 20. And so that conversion rate, even though he is scoring a lot of goals, is a little bit concerning because, you know, you want that efficiency rate up as soon as, as much as possible. Um, but if I'm both teams, I'm I'm fairly happy with the result, and I'm more than happy that Bayern got kind of humbled and didn't lose too much ground on them. Victor Boniface does have four, I believe, Player of the Month awards, so let's just keep that in mind as rookie, well. Rookie, right? Rookie, rookie, rookie Player of the Month, still. Still, he's, putting the, ball, he's still, still putting the ball on the net. He's a baller, though. I will he is say. a baller. He was a baller, and he he has been balling. Same with uh, Garassi for for Stuttgart. Didn't get the the goal today for them, but uh, two really good youngsters in the Bundesliga. You mentioned a a pretty interesting second half to watch, Daniel. The other game that we kept an eye on, and the big one in in the Bundesliga this weekend, which was entertaining to watch from start to finish, just because of how craziness and lack of quality there was on both sides. Was of course the RB Leipzig, Borussia Dortmund game, the late game on Saturday, a back and forth crazy matchup that ended up having Leipzig with 10 or 11 versus 10. Uh, Mats Hummels gets a red card to kind of change the dynamic of that game 10 minutes in. Daniel, kind of what we expected here, not really sure what to expect, and they both didn't disappoint throughout the at some points of the match. I did tell you I wanted to pick Dortmund, and then I changed my mind because when I picked Dortmund, the opposite happened. So I was glad I at least was correct about my reverse jinx. You did teach me something when it came to the red card, uh, especially when it was a penalty. Uh, I said, well, even if it is a penalty, that's still a penalty and a red card. But uh, what is it, the double fault rule? Double jeopardy like rule. Double, double jeopardy. jeopardy. Yep. So if you if you take someone out in the and it's a penalty, then usually you don't get a red card. Um, the double whammy. So I actually didn't know that that was a thing. So it was good to learn uh, at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, credit to Dortmund. They, they kind of hung in there and they, they tied it up uh, before half and Leipzig continue to not be great in front of goal. Uh, they, they spurn a lot of chances and I, I I've seen, um, I always forget his name. God, the Slovenian kid who, who came on, please help me every single time. Sinich, Sesco, jeez, Sesco. You know he had a couple chances in the second half, and he didn't put them away. And it, they could have been cruising, honestly, at the end, and they made it a little bit scrappier than it had to be. Uh, so both teams continue to be weird, but the red card kind of ruined this match a little bit for for an equal match. I I would say. Yeah, it was surprising though. I, I texted you that even with the ten. 10 men Dortmund got a lot done in this one. Um, they look to be, you know, they had their chances for sure. And they, obviously they get two goals and one late to make it really interesting at the end there. But um, it just felt like a game that RB Leipzig kind of didn't really want to, like you said, put away and, and dominate. Um, and that seems to be the, the, the theme of RB Leipzig this year. And this was again, a fourth versus fifth matchup. And, and now you worry about 
you know, and Terzic and, and his time at, at Dortmund, how long that's going to come to an end or when that ends. Uh, you know, of course, the way the season ended last year and currently sit fifth place with a pretty sizable gap to to fourth and, and the top four. So um, keep an eye on that space. No, not reporting anything here, but uh, you do wonder how long he's going to last in, in Dortmund. Um, but Daniel, the other side of the coin here is that we have a race as well in Spain. We mentioned the race that is unfolding in Germany, which is great to see, and, and a race that continues to just have twists and turns in La Liga. Girona is a Cinderella story of all Cinderella stories. You mentioned, and you you revert back to Leicester City at some points It's in this storyline and say, is this the same? Is this what's going to happen here? They take out Barcelona. Just keep in mind, for those of you that don't know the, con the contextual uh, inference of this, you know, Girona is 97,000 people as a city. You can fit that inside the camp now um, on, a, on a full night. So um, this is a tremendous story that is unfolding in La Liga. And um, they, they kind of put the hammer on Barcelona in this one, at, in Barcelona. They beat Barcelona with Barcelona light is kind of how I was thinking about it with, you know, Eric Garcia and... and um, or, or the throwaways, right? The rejects. The throwaways, the rejects. So every time I think of Girona, I think of the song that you probably knew from your era, My Sharona, My Girona. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I, I thought Barcelona were going to kind of take control of this match, and they ended up you know, squandering again. And Lewandowski, I mean, he did score, but good Lord, he, he keeps missing in front of the net. And the, the commentary even said, all right, well, it looks like him. The name on the back is correct but the player I'm watching isn't Lewandowski. So maybe he's, he's kind of run out of his magic. And that's like the main problem for Barcelona, in my opinion, right now, is they don't have a continuity on that front line of just consistent goal scoring, and it haunts them week in, week out. So uh, Gundogan came up with the big goal to kind of put them back into the smash. It wasn't, you know, Lewandowski or, you know, Ferran uh, Torres or any of Jao Felix or any of them. So big setback for Barcelona. Um, especially when their compatriots, Real Madrid, drop points against Betis. That's less than ideal. But, hey, credit to Girona. They they keep playing. They keep scoring goals. And Christian Stuani especially continues his flourishing for, form of uh, December, November, um, of just absolutely banging in goals every single match as a power sub or super sub. We mentioned Enan Terzic. Um, I'm getting a little worried about Xavi as well here for, for Barca. There's been, of course, rumors and, and rumblings in the past couple months here of just him having lackluster performance and needing to deliver and, and really show. Um, looking at a team, Daniel, Girona versus Barcelona. Um, let's just, again, say that out loud. Barcelona, his roster is, is one of the best in the world talent-wise. And Girona, no disrespect to Girona, does not really sit in the same league when it comes to talent and money spent on roster. And, and that comes down to a little bit of what the manager does with that, right? You you kind of, we've talked about it, you know, Deserby and in, in Premier League with Brighton, Unai Emery with Villa and the roster that they have there. Uh, you know, we've even mentioned Eddie Howe at some points and other managers across, you know, at and Terzic when he was younger, uh, earlier in his career, Xavi Alonso and what he's doing at Leverkusen. And so you, you look at this roster of what Barcelona has and and you expect more. You you, you wonder if they're not you getting do. the right – you're wondering if the manager has to kind of be a factor here. So for me, I'm getting a little worried. Um, we talked about this before. don't want to harp on it. They couldn't drop any more points and they continue to drop points. Keep in mind it is only their second loss of the season – in La Liga. So it's hard to kind of get too upset. Um, but they, you know, this, this was coming the way that they were drawing teams and, and the way that they were playing in those games, you felt like this was coming. Um, and now they really sit in a, in a bad spot to, to fight for that title. Even like you said, with Madrid dropping points. And uh, now, now you kind of wonder where, where this team goes from here. It's definitely getting to a simmer, um, his job. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that as the fixtures kind of heat up here. They do have a pretty easy schedule coming up. Uh, they play Valencia, Almeria, Las Palmas, and Asuana. So not not too bad coming They're up. They're in fourth now, though, Daniel. They are in fourth. Madrid. So, and Madrid yeah. has a game in hand, too, you know. So less than ideal. Atleti, at least. Atleti, yeah. It's less than ideal. Exactly. Speaking of Madrid, um, you mentioned it earlier as well, Daniel, Real Madrid 
share points with Betis. Uh, Jude Bellingham, though, gets on the score sheet again. Surprise, surprise here. But uh, Betis fight back. They get a, a wonder strike of a goal in their mat and their um, point that they deserve thoroughly in that one. And then Real Sociedad get a big win here, Daniel. They now currently sit fifth and only four, five points back of Barcelona for that fourth spot. So um, things getting really tight here for fourth. Of course, Athletic Club, uh, that game was abandoned. There was a fan that was um, unfortunately passed away in the stands. So condolences to the family there, of course. And so that you know that game was, was abandoned, like I mentioned. But you look at kind of where Athletic Club, Real Sociedad, Betis, um, they're all right there, you know, 29, 28, 26 points respectively, and on the verge of a fourth spot. Either one of them kind of stand out to you, or, or again, are we looking at really kind of our top four that we've already been talking about for the most of the season for La Liga? I feel pretty good about it. It's really up to like, you know, five, six, seven, really is the ones that probably will be, you know, Real Sociedad, Athletic Club kind of fighting it out. So it'll be interesting. But there is kind of a points discrepancy there. So um, I don't know. I mean, Barcelona definitely got to, you know, if they want to be top three, top two, they got some work to do. Um, but this is kind of the most wide open title races we've had all across the league in, in a very long time, it feels. Um, so great. I, mean, I love this it. Is, this is it's great fantastic. content for us. I love it. Yeah. No, I can, couldn't agree more with that. And as you mentioned, Atletico Madrid, uh, back to winning ways. 2-1. Um, wouldn't say it was convincing, but a win's a win. Win's and a win. When you're, when you're playing, you know, two games every single week, these kind of results will happen, and it's on you to kind of see it out, and that's what they did. So, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the La Liga race as of now. Yeah, I'm enjoying all the leagues, and, and uh, you mentioned Atleti, of course, as well. Their makeup game with Sevilla will be uh, the week before Christmas, so they will be on the same amount of games played and they're only a couple points back of of uh, Real Madrid at this point as well so keep an eye out there you're loving the races like we said even you know races that you would not expect to be closer or close this time of year which is great um, and of course Daniel one that we've kept an eye on for this whole year is in Serie A where Inter Milan continue to get the points they do continue to have a pesky you know pesky little friend behind them in Juventus who who win Ugly at Napoli, not too surprising, though, that that was going to be an ugly performance the way we've talked about Allegri Ball this year. No, it was not. They love to get a goal early and kind of sit back and pray that their eight-person eight block is enough and then they can just lump the ball forward. So that's kind of how Allegri plays. And for you know the most part, it, it keeps working. I don't know how. Um, it's not how I would choose to play and, and carry a 1-0 lead, but... You know, Napoli didn't really have any answers, and they're continuing to kind of struggle in front of the net. Osimhen is back, but he hasn't been back with a bang. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'm sure the Napoli fans aren't exactly happy with how these last two performances have gone. So, I mean, their their owner is down to you know do whatever it takes for his team to do well. So maybe the the new manager. Uh, Mazzaro gets gets fired within the next couple of months. That could be something that would not surprise me. Um, but Inter continue to look like an absolute beast and be easily the best team in Serie A without a doubt. Um, they absolutely dismantled Udinese. wasn't even a game um, from probably the 25th minute on. And, uh, I mean, shout out to Pipo and Zaghi. Yeah, they, you mentioned that they're clear of the class of the of the league. Two points atop against Juventus. Uh, Juventus and Inter starting to separate themselves a little bit, Daniel. AC Milan, who lose again this time to Atalanta late. Atalanta taking the points. I think it was a dramatic back heel flick oh, so to nice. win. Just a just a golazo to do it. Uh, the you know at that point in the game and and now you're looking a little bit like I said. Daniel, a little bit of separation. AC Milan seemed to have fallen off. We've talked about, you know, their inability to win big games this season. Of course, Christian Pulisic continues to deliver um, week in, week out, and which is a great to see from a U.S. fan perspective. But uh, where, you know, I feel like Milan are in a strange place. They have five points clear of the group. It is a group behind them. Uh, Daniel, there's, you know, there's Roma, Bologna, Napoli, Fiorentina, Atalanta, all 
you know, within three points of each other for fourth place. AC Milan, they're kind of their season's kind of in a strange place, right? They're kind of just floating along, and they have a big, big game uh, midweek, as of course in in Champions League, which they're kind of out of already. Realistically, where does this team go from here? Um, I don't think it's going to be with Pioli. I'll tell you that. I think he could be on his way out within the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'd be surprised if he wasn't, honestly, because you know they're they're kind of in free fall at the moment. And yes, they're missing Rafa Liao, but I think Rafa Liao has kind of carried this team for a while now, and that was kind of Pioli's magic, and the magic's run out. Um, so I don't know who could come in and replace Pioli, but I think that change is imminent, especially when you you lose in dramatic fashion with a bad red card and then you know that great goal and shout out Luis Mariel with the wonder goal the fans booed him actually as he came on and he you know shoved Good way to shut him up Good way yeah, to shut, shut, him up. shut up real quick with an absolute golasso and that's the second back heel goal we've seen with Raul Jimenez earlier this week so some good goals have been scored uh you know the last couple of days but we'll see kind of how that you know how that shapes up if if you know AC Milan's going to shake things up but they kind of need to if they want to have a shot at catching back up with Inter and, and Juventus here. Yeah, you mentioned uh, big goals as well. Daniel, there was a big one in France. Uh, uh, Ronald Koulamouani scoring late as PSG needed a late winner against Nantes to, to take the win there. Um, they do start to kind of give that separation in Ligue 1, like we've talked about now, four points clear of Nice, who do get you know a big result as well to kind of keep within touch. Monaco beat Rennes, which I think we talked about on the pre-prediction show. That was a, a throwaway game for me, but uh, that you know we still want to see it on the board and Monaco take care of business. Um, any thoughts on again, you know? Pretty much kind of fighting for second here, right? PSG, we both, I think, agree are going to run away with this one now that, now that they're ahead. Yeah, Balogun continues to look great. He had two really, really nice assists um, this weekend. And Monaco got uh, kind of a late red card to make this game a little interesting. And Ren just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. But that you know shows their, their resolve and, and seeing out the points. Like we said, good teams get good results. So... That's a big result for them. Ren's no slush, and they've been good as of late. So it was good for probably their confidence to show that they can still play really good football here, and they do have a shot because PSG were given trouble uh, in the match they played, and they are not – they're kind of like Bayern where they're not the team they usually are. So on any given day, some team can go out and, and surprise them. Trouble is, of course, they are top of the table already. Um, so yeah. you don't want to give them, you know, you want to kind of give yourself as much of a head start as you can with a team like PSG, which is unfortunate to see. It's again, it's still a tight league. Um, we'll keep an eye on it. Another tight league, Daniel, uh, is one that we keep an eye on is, is the Portuguese league. Porto catch up as both to both Benfica and Sporting. So now we have a, a fun race here as well. Four teams, including Braga, who's two points behind. And so you're looking at Sporting, Porto, Benfica, and like I said, Braga, four teams within two points of each other. Yet another league that is just competitive. And, and sometimes, you know, Portuguese league gets a bad rap. Um, we've seen some things with the refs go down of late, you know, but it's really uh, bad. <laughs> but still a fun, still a fun league to watch every now and then. No, it is. And the, if you if you're a kid who or an adult who really likes the the young players coming through who's going to be the next big player this is kind of the league you like to look at that in the air divise um you know benfica and sporting are, are known for their their scouting and of young players and developing them into absolute superstars so that's why i like the portuguese league um i mean you saw enzo fernandez kind of get that big buy Goncalo ramos as well and then um, sporting has some fantastic players. So just uh, keep an eye out if you like to kind of see, you know, young talent get a chance um, and kind of less high stakes, I guess you could say. But to kind of recap it, uh, finish off this recap or review, um, Columbus, they win the MLS Cup thanks to you picking LAFC. So thank yes, you for sure that. Yes, sure was. Thanks to me. Uh, thanks to also our friend that was there, uh, Daniel Bramlett, that was in the stands repping for the crown as always he drove up to columbus but yes uh, i definitely jinxed lafc right away once i said that they were going to win so uh, apologies i know you had a a uh, a prop 
bet on that one. Uh, so apologies, I, I took that away from you. Well, since you told me that, I completely hedged out, so I came oh, smart. out clean on that. Um, yeah, I had to, I had to do that. Uh, I, I, did you watch this one though, real quick? I or? did, I did actually. Um, I, I watched majority of it, I'd say. So, yeah. um, it was a good match. It was a good watch. Columbus went up too, and then um, Boanga made it interesting in the second half. So we'll see. You know, the offseason is going to be interesting with MLS as a lot of things are changing around the league with the incoming of Messi, um, you know, salary cap rules, DP rules, stuff like that. So that's going to be really fun to keep an eye out on in the future. Um, but Columbus well-deserved. Their GM deserves a round of applause as he is a serial winner now. Wilfred Nancy, first black coach to win MLS. Congratulations to him. He's absolutely – fantastic manager and he trusted the youth with a 22 year old Aiden Morris and a 22 year old Schulte as their goalkeeper. So Darlington Agby as well, um, serial winner. He wins everywhere he goes in the MLS. So very impressed. Yeah, shout, out, they, shout out to Columbus all around. You, you they built a good roster. And they built a good roster and, uh, you know, Darlington Abbey four MLS cups. What an absolute legend. And um, like you said, just congrats to that entire organization, the team around them. Um, you mentioned MLS is going to be kind of wild. Uh, stick around. We'll have some more coverage of some of that stuff coming forward. Um, some stuff that we'll announce here in the weeks to come. So some exciting things that will be part of the roundup here. Um, that we'll get out to you. But uh, yeah, congrats again to to the entire crew, uh, pun intended, to the entire Columbus crew and that organization. On the other side of the break, though, Daniel, as always, we will have our players of the week as well as our XI of the week, uh, which hopefully you guys have engaged with on Twitter. If not, you can follow us on full-time roundup over on X. You can interact with us over there. Let us know who your XI of the week is as well as anything that we missed as far as the recap or other storylines that you want us to talk about. Again, uh, we'd love to interact with you guys. Again, that's a full-time roundup over on X. Uh, also, please download, subscribe, and like wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. It goes a long way for the show. And like I said, on the other side of the break, we will give you our players of the week. So stick around. And welcome back to the full-time roundup. As I mentioned before the break, Daniel, one of my, and I know we talk about this, but it just is one of my favorite segments because it, it makes it more fun to watch some of these games that we we don't guess necessarily cover all the time. But uh, our XI of the week, um, for those, again, that don't know what we're talking about, Daniel and I picked the best 11 players of the week that we think shined over the weekend. This is our selection. So, again, if you do have any thoughts on these players or want to chime in and be part of it, um, you can do that over on Twitter um, or X, uh, which the handle is at Full Time Roundup, uh, and engage with us over there. Let us know who you think, if anyone stood out, or just kind of um, if we missed anybody. For those of you that are new, um, we do all these picks together. So Daniel and I select them as a team here. Uh, we do a formation of a 3-4-3. We try and highlight as much of the players that shine, whether that's goals or assists, mostly stats. Um, we know a lot of you guys like stats, but some guys just stand out so much that you have to include them on a player of the week team. And so we try and include as many of those as we can. So um, Daniel, I will take us through our defenders for this week, and then you can take us through the front line. We do try and change this up every now and then just so that we're not announcing the same position. So first for me, Daniel, is Trafford, uh, the golf tender from Burnley who absolutely kept Burnley in this one yesterday. They draw against Brighton and get a much-deserved point, but he made some fantastic saves that um, really just kind of stood on your head a little bit. Otherwise, this could have been much, much uglier. But a big point for Burnley, especially in the relegation battle, you get that point. Uh, give me him as my goalkeeper of this week. A player that is probably new to most of you, new to us, uh, and I'm going to definitely butcher this last name. I'm glad I took the harder names here. Uh, Adarabayu from Fulham, uh, who got a goal in one of the five goals that they got. Uh, defender getting a goal. Uh, add, add that man to the list. Udogi as well, who got a nice, nice goal after a feed from Yunmin Sung in the Spurs game today. Uh, he gets on the list here from defenders. And then Gatti as well, who got a late goal in that game for, for his squad. So, uh, Daniel? Goal, goals in the back. You always want goals in the back if you can get them. Absolutely. And for midfield, Abdullah Dukure for Everton. Got a nice goal. 
Um, I think he might have scored midweek. He scored midweek well. too. Yep, he did. He yep. So he's he's been in good goal scoring form as of late. Someone else as well. Scott McTominay had a brace in the game winning goal for Man United. So good for him. Midweek uh, brace, by the way. Midweek Mid brace. Yes. Um, Kubo for Real Sociedad had a goal and assist. Continues to be the best on that team week in week out. And then Mbembe for Frankfurt, two goals against Bayern. PSG product uh, has struggled with minutes. You know the season, but he was absolutely on fire against Bayern. Probably trying to prove himself, um, and you know want to stake his claim, and he certainly did that for for the attackers. Richarlison, you know, great performance. Um, Salah had a goal and assist, kind of kept Liverpool in this match, um, and then Lacazette with a hat trick, a much needed hat trick as Lyon finally get a win, and boy did they need that. They now, did. They did. They did. They've been expertly bad ex or potentially bad i don't even know but both, for player, both work i guess yeah uh, my, my brain's all over the place but uh for player of the week uh i have a bombing you know three goals in in two games this week not a bad you know not a bad performance and marseille need him to keep bringing in his goals if they want to get champions league spot so uh they need him pretty bad yeah i had harvey elliott um came on made a made an impact right away for for liverpool and put them atop the table had a basically drew the red card with the, his play and then got the goal the game winning goal so um player of the week for me is was harvey elliott and then for young player of the week i have henshelwood uh the 18 year old english player from brighton he played right back um he's a midfielder but he played right back midweek and scored and he almost got a couple game winners for for brian against burnley but we love young talent kind of shining in some of the the best leagues around Europe. And he's kind of showed Deserby that he can be, uh, you know, can play everywhere. And Deserby loves that. So shout out to him. Yeah, I could have had Harvey Elliott here as well for young player of the week. Just he's he is one of those young players. But I had Wilson Odebear from from Burnley. I got a goal. Uh, maybe a little luck with the deflection, but uh, even throughout the rest of the game, he looked fantastic. 19-year-old French national uh, really shined and, and got the goal uh, in that match as well. So uh, there you have it, folks. Uh, XI of the week, young player and player of the week that we give you every week again. You can interact with us over on X at Full Time Roundup and let us know who we missed. Um, there's just so much to cover. We can't get it all. Uh, you know, leagues in, in Latin America, North America, Europe, Asia, uh, Africa. We can't cover it all. So we try to do the best we can for you. Let us know. Again, if you want to follow and, and interact with us, that's full-time roundup over on X. You can also interact directly with Daniel at Liverpool CLTFC um, or myself at Life of Gesslin over on X as well. Of course, please download, like, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. And Daniel, I know it's a crazy time. We'll be back on Thursday for the preview show. Uh, maybe another special show to announce for you guys as well on Thursday. So keep, stick around for that. Um, we're pretty excited about what we have coming for you guys. And then uh, I know it's, it's an exciting time just in, as a whole with festive fixtures around the corner. So uh, we'll see you guys on Thursday and have a great, great week.